0: Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work, Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash sword and laser.
1: everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont.
0: And I'm Tom Merritt.
1: Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you.
0: In fact, if it weren't for you, there wouldn't be a show, because you, my friends, are the only way that we support this show, and we love you for it so much that we're actually changing a little bit how the rewards work at patreon.com slash Laser.
1: Yes, we are. uh, I'm very excited about this. This is the first time we've we've shaken up the rewards levels over on Patreon. I think since we started doing Patreon,
0: yeah, which is is. crazy. Uh, So if you're at the one, three, or five dollar level, everything stays the same. Uh, and and mostly what you get at the $5 level is the book briefings, um, and then we put your name on the site. We try to keep that updated, stuff like that. At the $10 level, though, you'll now get access to the monthly silliness show that so used to silly. be only for the $20 people. $20 people, don't worry, you're still going to get it, uh, but we're making that available to the $10 folks. That We've we've thrown that out to, to the broader audience before so you could kind of sample it, but we do, how would you describe it? Like almost game show-like, things stunt things
1: we try to make each other look pretty stupid
0: yeah exactly like
1: more so than usual
0: yeah uh so if you're already at the ten dollar level you'll start getting that every month uh and if you up to the ten dollar level you'll start getting it the next one that comes out later this month uh you can also get to call yourself a knight of the realm or space marine and we will back (laughs) you in that claim uh twenty dollar folks Don't worry. Just because we made the $10 folks able to get the silliness show doesn't mean that you're just left at the same level as them. You get access to Lem's library if you live within the United States.
1: Yes, I'm very excited about this. I think this is probably one of my favorite things we've done uh, ever on the show. And it's something we've been meaning to do for a long time as well. Tom and I have a lot of books. We are sent a lot of books. We buy a lot of books. We're given a lot of books. And we want you to have them. So we're going to make a big list of all the books that we have available, and uh, you know the details are really going to solidify over the next couple of days. But you're basically going to be able to request a book a month from a list of the advanced copies that we get. Um, you know, of course, it's going to have to be U.S. only because shipping costs are going to get really astronomical at that point. Um, but you know, if you live out of the country, maybe we'll try to find some way to to make up for it in the future as well. Um, but I'm really excited about this perk. I think it's going to be really fun for you guys and and you'll get to discover a lot more new books.
0: Yeah, and we encourage people at the LEMS Library uh, level, if they take a book out of the library, to then pass it on to others uh, down the road, especially if you're part of the local book groups that get together and talk about the Sword and Laser books. Share the wealth! if you will. Uh, and folks who don't live in the United States, don't worry, we are working on something for you as well. So stay tuned.
1: Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I just wanted to say thank you to some of our new patrons. Um, Cameron, thank you for upping your pledge as well hey, as Laura. Cameron.
0: You guys hey, are Laura.
1: awesome. Yeah, Laura went to the $20 level. So thank you very, very much. You're going to get Welcome a book the
0: library, Laura. Mm-hmm.
1: And then we also had some new uh, new pledges from John, Andrew, David, and Tomas. So welcome to the Patreon club.
0: Bienvenido, Tomas.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we're not drinking tonight. Um, even though you you may be surprised to hear that after listening to <laughs> us for this even short amount of time.
0: You thought it was just the booze talking in previous episodes, but no, yeah. science.
1: It's just the way we are. So let's jump right into the quick burns.
0: Yes, uh, long time sword and laser stalwart Terp Kristen posted that interesting statistics are coming out from the American Association of Publishers. Audiobook sales are up, ebook sales are down. Paper book sales are also up apparently. So huh. Turk Kristen says I guess the artisanal analog tree sourced reading material is making a little <laughs> bit of a comeback. I find it intriguing because my audiobook purchases have gone up since Amazon started WhisperSync for voice, but that means I end up buying books in two formats, one of which being the ebook format, which is yeah. supposedly declining.
1: Uh, this is this is interesting too. You know, th- this might not all be bad because it is kind of a weird time of year—the first quarter of the year, as as the consumer's notes um, typically is is pretty slow. Many publishers save their big books for you know that summer vacation reading or for the holiday shopping time uh, come towards the end of fall. So this this may still change, um, but I think it is really fascinating to see how much audiobooks are really jumping up in numbers. That's great. yeah.
0: I feel like audiobooks probably cannibalize some of the ebook sales too. Where mm-hmm. they do for me, books that I might have bought on ebook, I will buy on audiobook instead. Uh, I don't know that they cannibalize paperback books as much because those are the people who really want to sit and hold something in their hands. To me, if I buy an ebook, it's for convenience, and audiobooks are even more convenient. Also, a lot of people in 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 our threads have pointed out that. The publishers got control over pricing because of some court cases, and that raised the average ebook price. So that may be dissuading people from buying ebooks and they may need to start lowering the prices to kick those sales back into gear.
1: It is even it is still even hard for me to to look at an ebook that costs, you know, between $13 or $24. I guess maybe you don't get $24 ones too often, but like no, a $10, $15 yeah. book, and you're like, Oh, this is just data. Why does this cost so much? You're like you got to yeah. pay the author, man. You got to think of it that way. It's
0: DRM'd data. I know. That's the other thing. Like I sure, you know, I get that the printing costs aren't the bulk of the price of a book, but still you're not even get you're giving me less control if I have a paper book I can do whatever I want with I could it.
1: just give it to someone yeah uh, On the, I could just leave it on the side of the street and someone's gonna pick it up can't do that with an ebook, or mm. it would be dif- difficult um, well, yeah you'd speaking, have to leave
0: the entire device that'd be weird. weird that'd be definitely drive, a waste of money Ooh, That's oh card. yeah
1: yeah so you know how people do those those book hunts yeah 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 it's really totally. big over in Europe and you could do that with oh man, if you had un-DRM'd, like ebooks, you could leave like little geocaches of yeah, of USB like Gutenberg sticks. Project
0: stuff. Yeah. yeah,
1: that'd be like which you don't know which book you're gonna get. That'd be pretty fun.
0: Book you don't know which virus you're gonna. Get. You don't know. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, you, you had to take it there, but you're right. I know. You're right. We we think where of my these mind things. goes. It's yeah. our technology brains. Um, but Dara also goes on to say, uh, stars of the spoken word, speaking of audiobooks, meet the audiobook narrators who are quietly saving book publishing. Uh, this is a great article over on Salon.com. Uh, it talks about a lot of the different, you know, everyone from from famous actors who are reading audiobooks to, to career audiobook narrators who essentially, you know, do this for a living, um, and, and how difficult it is to, to jump from character to character, the different techniques that they use, where, where some essentially read very flat to just let the words kind of speak for themselves, while while others get really into the voice acting aspect of it, and try to make each character sound very, very different. Um, so I, I found it to be like a really, really cool read. Um, so if you love audiobooks, or if you love voice acting, uh, definitely check out this article on salon.com com that that uh, Dara 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 posted over on mm-hmm. Goodreads both of them
0: both her personalities <laughs> posted it uh yeah it's it really is enlightening about how that industry works and uh if you didn't know from our previous story audiobooks are hot uh in fact the the salon article cites uh some some sources saying that in 2011 about 7,000 audiobooks were released by 2015 35,000 audiobooks are being released. So we're just getting more and more of them all the time.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of this probably has changed since, you know, Audible's been around for a while and they, they were acquired by Amazon a while ago. But I think they're really the, the way that they've integrated Audible now into Amazon search and, and how easy they've made it to, to jump back and forth via WhisperSync. I think it's probably really starting to have an effect.
0: Uh, yeah, it certainly h- helps, certainly doesn't hurt. But, uh, and, and people just like the freedom of listening to audiobooks, it sounds like. Uh, we also like it when books that we love get turned into movies and TV shows. Well, most of the time we do. It depends on how they turn out, I guess. But uh, we have a few stories about that sort of thing. Nokomis.fl, uh, who's on the case for a lot of this sort of thing, uh, pointed out that the Dark Tower trailer got leaked uh, it, you, it's kind of hard to find, but it really doesn't take that much effort to find it. But there's a little game of whack-a-mole, uh, of them trying to get rid of it.
1: It's go- uh, I couldn't find it. It was, it was, I, I didn't put enough effort in.
0: Yeah. It's, but it's essentially, uh, shows mostly the story from Jake's point of view, the boy and, uh, uh points out that the trailer for the man in the high castle season two is out as well.
1: Did you watch the entire first season?
0: I did. Oh yeah. yeah. I ate it up. I loved it. It's you my favorite it. book ever.
1: I know. I know. And I, I, I thought they I did, did a great job with it. Okay, I only saw the first episode, and I I didn't get that that pulled in. So maybe I should give it another chance. You, so you guys can't see Tom is Tom. We're on video together, <laughs> even <laughs> though you guys don't see this. And Tom just gave me like the stink eye over the rim of of his glasses over the top of his glasses. mods. pretty good. It was was worth it. (laughs) Sandra goes on to say that a movie adaptation of Peter V. Brett's The Warded Man is in the works. Uh, The option was acquired by New Harlem. Um, I I did hear about this earlier in the week, and I am excited for him. Uh, As you know, this doesn't necessarily always mean something. Um, It's, you know, people buy up options all the time. But it looks like things are... the the film. Did you notice...
0: Did you read through... I think it was in the Variety article... It was already optioned, and oh. this company is buying the option from the company that held the option previously. So on the one hand, that might not sound like as good a news because it's like, oh, it's getting you know kicked around. Passed around, yeah. But it also means that somebody who's excited about working on it now has it, whereas somebody before apparently wasn't as excited. So I hope it gets turned into something.
1: And this is nice, too, Um they say uh, uh, Selden, who is also president of Atlas Comics, said in a press release, this is a big action franchise with a deeply complex and darkly mm. compelling hero at the center. And then uh, Futterman added, "Peter has created a fresh and new look at humanity's future, and has very quickly established himself as one of the hottest new talents in the sci-fi fantasy genre." I
0: like how you just throw out Selden and Futterman like those they're are your those are
1: the 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 the, the, if, the producers. Of course, you mean
0: Harry Selden and no. Moisha Futterman.
1: <laughs> Spike Selden, who did the A Team, and Hans Futterman are producing.
0: Flutterman. Futterman! Get the warded man done! <laughs> uh, and uh, finally, in movie TV adaptation, uh, Dara Dara posted that Wesley Chew's The Lives of Tao has been optioned by ABC. The folks who were producing Agent Carter for them are on board for this. Uh, Dara says, I have a feeling this could be kind of a Chuck 2.0.
1: Oh yeah, I can see that. Um, I I did see one of the comments on this post that I I who whose sentiments I will echo. That I do hope that we actually get an Asian lead in the role, because that is a thing that happens sometimes in these situations where they whitewash a cast. And I, I hope I it mean, doesn't happen.
0: Yes, first I hope it actually gets turned into a TV show. So that, that would be a good first step. A decision that can be made. Yes, totally.
1: I really don't feel like 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 Wes would let that happen. Uh, But he, he, I guess, I don't know how much control you have over that. Why
0: are we jumping to the conclusion that it won't happen? I don't know because I'm
1: super sensitive and triggery about this stuff now because it's happened. Yeah, but now now we're
0: now we're starting to punish someone for something they didn't do yet.
1: I know you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm I'm overly sensitive. It's this election. It's gotten me all like like, you know, touchy. Oh, what election? Is there an election?
0: Oh that right cuz we have a bunch of propositions that was a to vote terrible on.
1: choice of words to use for this election. Touching. Way to go Belmont. Way to go.
0: Way to go. I am go. very excited about the election of my local congressional representative. Karen Bass <laughs> Dude, I am so
1: I am like member. I am stuck in the middle of my local supervisor stuff. It is ridiculous. Like when you're part oh, of like see? a neighborhood yeah. organization, you are like yeah. They are into you and they want you to, <laughs> to do your Yeah. They are like Get out, campus. Hi, Veronica. How's it going? Oh, oh. I'm like, hey guys, whatever. I already made my decision. Yep. It's in my mind. I'm not telling you.
0: We have another adaptation to talk about, though.
1: <laughs> we do. Um, Thane says Lost Fleet by Jack Campbell is going to get a comic book adaptation. He goes on to say Lost Fleet is some really good, straightforward military sci-fi. And the comic so- looks pretty great.
0: Yeah, um, and and we have, you know, we have always flirted with the comic book side of things, but it's its own industry, and it can take over the conversation. And I, while I read comics, I certainly don't consider myself an expert in them, Uh, so so we we don't talk cover the comic industry as much as maybe some people in the audience would like. But when a book series like this gets turned into a comic, we take notice. So well done, Jack Campbell. Mm hmm. And then Lauren posted the Museum of Science Fiction has a new Kickstarter called Catalysts, Explorers, and Secret Keepers Women of Science Fiction. It is a take home exhibit, not just a book. It's a take. You're taking home, you're stealing from a museum (gasps) when you back this Kickstarter. How thrilling. You're like a cat burglar. When you back this Kickstarter, you're taking an exhibit home. No, they're they're pitching it as as more than just an anthology. They're like we're going to try to select stories that represent the kinds of things we would curate in an exhibit at our museum if we were doing an exhibit called Catalyst: Explorers and Secret Keepers: Women of Science Fiction. Uh, so it's going to feature short stories and some reprints by women in science fiction and beautiful illustrations by Julie Dillon.
1: And they've already blown past their their baseline for their Kickstarter. So they are like, like I think like $2,500 past what they were trying to achieve. Um, so that's awesome. So they're, they're, they've already reached their goal, but I'm, I'm sure they'll have some stretch goals um, added on to that because there's still some some time left, I think. Yeah, I looked at the few, Kickstarter, but I didn't look at the time.
0: There's several days left. Um, 20 days I to were... go.
1: 20 days yeah. to go. They got plenty of time. So that's, plenty that's rad. Plenty of time. Yeah, Uh,
0: And then Nokomis.fl is back again, pointing out that one James S.A. Corey, when I say one, I mean two, although really it's just Ty that operates the Twitter account, and we're talking about the Twitter account here, posted the name of the next Expanse book and did it in this kind of uh, casual, offhand way, posting, you know, some people seem to get angry that it's hard to make things and it takes time to do it. However, we're 2,000 words into Persepolis Rising now. And then everyone responded like, is that the name of the next book? Is that what comes after Babylon's Ashes? Is Persepolis rising? And he's like, I don't know. Uh, Publisher hasn't talked about changing it. So I I guess it'll be the name at this point.
1: I I like how there's also a special little, like, I feel like he's also doing a little stab at people who give George R. R. Martin a hard time, too. Yeah. Because Ty, having worked for George R. R. Martin, is like, has has some experience in that area on a couple of levels. Oh, no. Here's Um, what he wrote. That's
0: sweet. is, is that the real title? As far as I know, I've seen cover art. So if the publisher was against this title, I think they'd have told us by now.
1: <laughs> oh, he's such a
0: <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Anyway, so totally if you're getting picture, confused, uh, normally we would have a new Expanse book out by now. Uh, but because of some work on the TV show, they delayed that release. And uh, Babylon's Ashes comes out December 6th now. And uh, this means that Persepolis Rising will be the next one. Mm. I would assume that we're probably going to move to a winter uh, release date, so I would expect it to come out about a year after Babylon's Ashes. But we'll see. I and mean, they're already two thousand words into it, so you know that's so that's, that's, that's that's really good so ahead of the the early complaints about Persepolis yeah. Rising is what that so is. So you're
1: getting, so you're saying Persepolis Rising Rising probably fall winter 2017
0: yeah yeah because okay. Babylon's Ashes comes out December 6th 2016 okay. right uh, and then Persepolis Rising uh, when when can people start getting mad at James that's say, Cory I think you just know, don't maybe just the in- don't the internet being
1: what it is really they could be mad right now they're already they probably mad probably are somewhere no, mad no, you're right you're absolutely yeah. right um, all right well now it is time for Bear Your Sword which is our feedback from the audience Now, this was really cool. This was uh, a post from Trike over on the forums on Goodreads, um, who said, I'm not sure where this belongs, but it's an amazing fan-made trailer for Ancillary Justice. Scroll down to see the video. It's pierced together from a ton of sources. It's incredibly evocative of the book, not just the images, but also the music, which plays a role in the story. And Leckie also likes it. So I watched this. It's pretty professionally done. There's definitely some, there's a little bit of Hunger Games in there. I think maybe I saw some, uh, maybe some Firefly in there as well. I, I, I don't know where the where the actors came from, where they sourced that material. Something I haven't yeah. seen before, perhaps. Something
0: um, just uh, makes me think Justice of Torin would enjoy Daka Braka's harmonies, uh, wrote the person uh, who posted this on dreamwith.org, who I assume is the author of the trailer. But yeah, they did some it's shoot. Good. Did they do some original shooting for this? Oh, maybe that's I mean, what it was. L-
1: maybe that's original footage.
0: Yeah. In anyway. order of appearance, Oh, Halo, Total Recall, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, The Expanse, Poomsie, oh, Killjoys, Planet Earth, was. Stargate. It was
1: Expanse. It wasn't Firefly. I knew, yeah. So I they're knew taking, they're like taking
0: that. scenes okay. from existing uh, sources and putting them together. But man, they did such a good job, you hardly recognize any of it. And it just looks like you're watching a trailer for Ancillary Justice.
1: I love it. I love it. I would love to see that as a as someone try to adapt that into a film. That'd be pretty pretty wild. Um, yeah. And then we have a uh, we have another post that this one was started a while ago, but it's gotten some it, it's picked up some recent steam again in the, in the past couple of weeks. Um, it was started by Matthew. Uh, the title is so. What are some good books written in established universes not by the original author? We may have even covered this before. Uh, you know, frankly, may is a long time, and I didn't bother to search back through the show notes to see if. If we had talked about it, but I thought since there were some new responses, um, it might be fun to, to revisit. Yeah,
0: I think we I think we touched on it before too. But you're right; there's there's more responses. I think last time it was like here's a couple things, but I know there's mm-hmm. more out there, and now we've got a lot more things to talk about.
1: Right. So they uh, they brought up. Oh, you you brought up as well. You had some things in here. Um, I didn't want to forget recently- them, so I
0: just posted them into the thread.
1: Yeah, so we've got some uh, darker takes on on the Peter Pan tale uh, from from Blinky Bat, who who recommends the Child Thief, um, the the Silo series by Hugh Howey. Um, though that's that was from um, what? But that, how is that done in the same different books by the same world, established universe, but different author? I don't know. I
0: Which don't one? Know. Which one are you questioning?
1: So Callum says, "I second the Silo series by Hugh Howey."
0: Oh well, of- but basically, they're they're saying that other people have done fanfic that oh, Howie right. Howie Be- encourages, and some of them are really good. So
1: didn't um, um, Andy Weir do something in that universe?
0: Yeah, I think he may have. That sounds really familiar. Um, And then Callum says there's a trilogy that Howie says is better written than his original. And, maybe that's uh, maybe
1: that's the one. I remember there yeah. was some like like I it was one of those vibes where I was like, oh, this is so cool that two authors I really like also like each other and are writing in their universe. And blah blah blah. Um. So that's that's cool. But yeah, there's a lot of good recommendations in here. I always I always get a big kick out of this kind of stuff. It, it always feels like kind of Easter egg y in in a fun way. You yeah. Know, when you when, one- when when someone's writing in someone else's world.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one that I didn't put down in the thread was Ian Colfer's uh, Carrying On of the Hitchhiker's Guide based on notes Mm -hmm. from Douglas Adams, which I really wanted to like more than I did. I I think Colfer did a fine job, but there's just something about Adams that you can't imitate, and it shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, So sometimes it just doesn't succeed as well as you'd like. On the other hand, Brandon Sanderson, Carrying On Wheel of Time, universally praised, uh, also working from Jordan's Notes, uh, I would is, like is, is a great example of seamlessness. I think.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it. I think it works well when it's in the same universe, but not necessarily the same main character. So that yeah. way you get like you get a, that different perspective, but you still get like the callbacks to other stuff that have happened. And so mm-hmm. you get a little more wiggle room to to have your own writing style um, when you're just using the 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 world building of, of the first series or, or book and, and building off of that, uh, like, you know, like fan fiction. It's kind of, you yeah, know, yeah. kind of the same way or shipping, you know, it's 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 kind of that that blending of of the the established canon with with new stuff. And I that I think is always pretty fun.
0: Yeah, the ones I put in here were the 1632 series, uh, which many of them, including 1632, the first one, are written by Eric Flint. But he also coordinates other authors, collaborates with other authors in this intentionally shared universe. And the Mongoliad is another example. And they've got two or three books uh, in the Mongoliad series, which is a collection of authors that we've interviewed back when they first launched it. Uh, Neil Stevenson gets the most credit out of that batch, but he's not the only one that was making that universe happen.
1: And then finally today, um, we have a note about the Defenders, also from Trike. Um, They announced who the big bad is going to be for the Defenders on Netflix. How is
0: this a book story? It's
1: in TV, movies, and video games, which is another section of our very own forums, and a section that we used to have on the podcast. So just I asking thought, the
0: question, just asking thematically,
1: the question. and it, they're based on comic books, which is tangentially related to genre fiction.
0: And it's got like thirty responses, so people and people are, are excited, excited to about, talk about it, about and
1: it. I'm excited about <laughs> it. So there you go. <laughs> um, so the, the the big bad guy, the big bad f- person rather, uh, uh, in the Defenders is going to be Sigourney Weaver, huh? Yeah, no,
0: this is good. This is intriguing. I really have enjoyed Daredevil. Uh, really liked uh, Luke Cage maybe the most. Uh, and I had a good time with Jessica Jones, too. I, 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 Although that one was more of a psychological series than an action series, it was yeah. still really good. So I am a little nervous about Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's pushing it too far. I'm excited about The Punisher, though, because I like The Punisher from, from the Daredevil series. Wait, is Punisher I'm sorry, in The
1: Defenders? No. No.
0: Yes. I yes? think he will be. Yeah. I thought it
1: was only the four. I thought it was... I thought it Originally, was it was only supposed Jessica to be, Jones, but... Luke Cage and Iron Fist. I,
0: I don't think The Punisher will be part of The Defenders, is the, is the thing, but I think he's supposed to appear in the series, if oh, okay. I have that right.
1: So, I have not yet seen Daredevil still, I am the only I think I'm the only person I know who hasn't seen the Dare. You guys got Neither see face series? Tom is neither right now. season? No, none. None of it. None of it. I love Luke Cage. I liked Jessica Jones. Luke Cage is amazing. Um, so I think now that I've seen those other two, maybe I, I I'm warming up to Daredevil. I don't know if you remember, but I was actually kind of nervous cuz I heard it was very violent, so I never watched yeah, it. Yeah,
0: it's I mean, it's punchy, but But
1: if it's if it's if it's, if it's as bad or better or even a little bit worse, I guess, than like Jessica and, and Luke Cage. I'll be fine. Oh, yeah.
0: No, Luke Cage is equivalent to Daredevil. So Really? Okay. Yeah.
1: I'll be good. Anyway, exciting stuff.
0: Yeah. Good casting with Sigourney Weaver. Can't wait to see what she does. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, now it is time for our Book of the Month discussion. Um, so we, we kind of need to kick off The uh, the Golem and the Genie uh, by yes. Colleen. Uh, and we will. Yes. Yes. She, her, she has more of a name than, than Helene, Helene, Helene Wecker. Wecker.
0: I do the same thing. I always think I'm going to say Wecker wrong. And then Me I too. say Wecker Is it, It's Wecker, and then it's right. And I always try say, to say Wrecker. Yeah, maybe that's it. And I think I in my
1: brain like, like does a little pause and then I'm like, uh, 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 so I'm sorry.
0: But before we get to kickoff, uh, in, c- in case people are worried about even the slightest of spoilers, uh. I wanted to let you know that we are taking a vote on the November book between two contenders, a modern contender and a classic contender. So it's going to be a laser pick.
1: <laughs> this and is also the first I'm hearing of this, by the way. So I, I'm, it is I'm, the first I'm, I'm very th- interested th- to hear what to Veronica didn't read this far down nope. in the
0: doc. <laughs> so uh, I had originally intended to pick Slan by A.E. Van Vogt. Uh, which during the the last uh, Hugo Awards was awarded the 1940 Retro Hugo Award. Awesome. Uh, it's a book that I've read. I own the paperback. I enjoyed it. A.E. Van Vogt is a classic that we haven't read. I thought, how perfect is that? And then yesterday, we were doing a special episode for the DTNS patrons, and Brian Brushwood mentioned Futuristic Violence and Fancy Suits by David Wong. And it just sounded amazing, and mm-hmm. he's excited. He's like, "The Martian, Ready Player One." He's like, "I was, ex- I was." It is the same kind of excitement for me with this book. So, All I'm putting right. it up to the patrons. If you are a patron at any level, there is a post at patreoncom slash laser where you can express your opinion: futuristic violence and fancy suits, or slan by A.E. Van Vogt. When last I looked, it was tied because <gasps> really? only two people had <laughs> responded, one for each one. Uh, so and get it over it wasn't there.
1: even us. It wasn't, yeah, even, it wasn't us. Either, even us. Yeah, uh,
0: it wasn't even us. If you need a little nudge, Futuristic Violence in Fancy Suits was the winner of the 2016 Alice Alex Awards. It's got nightmarish villains with superhuman enhancements and all-seeing social network that tracks your every move, mysterious, smooth-talking power players who lurk behind the scenes, and the main, strong lead character is a young woman from a trailer Park and her very smelly cat. <laughs> and together they will decide the future of mankind. Or we could read Slan from the golden age of science fiction, the story of Jami Cross, an orphan mutant outcast from a future society prejudiced against mutants, or as they call them, Slans.
1: Hmm. Well, I think I know what I'm voting for. Do I get to vote? Am I allowed you to You don't vote? like
0: old things, do you?
1: I'm not a patron. I'm not allowed to vote.
0: You can tell me who you'd vote for though your vote doesn't count no
1: i don't want to sway them
0: okay all right no that's fair, that's not we, fair. you can reveal it after we after we've uh, made the decision okay i'm curious i'm curious because i think i know
1: <laughs> i think i think you i think everybody probably knows <laughs> <laughs> um so i i've already started the golem and the genie and i am just adoring it um but did you want to go over the briefing that we also published on on patreon <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I sometimes call it book notes, but for some reason this time I called it book briefing. And I think part of the reason I did that was uh, there isn't as much to say for someone like Helene Wecker, Wecker, who spent seven years writing this book, workshopped it at Columbia uh, when she was in the, uh, in the writing program there, uh, but... It is being praised universally. It was nominated for the 2014 Nebula Award and the 2014 World Fantasy Award, won the 2014 Mythopoeic Award. Uh, George Guidal's reading of it uh, helped to bring it to become a finalist for the 2014 Audi Award. It takes place in 1899 New York City and is an allegory for immigrants uh, because you have a Jewish character uh, who is a golem, created by a Jewish-Polish furniture maker uh, and who arrives in the Jewish section of Manhattan in 1899. And you have a Syrian character who is a genie, uh, who was trapped in a bottle and released uh, by someone in in little Syria in Manhattan. Now, Wrecker said, yes, I, I did want this to be a story of immigrants from two different parts of that region of the world, one Jewish and one from Syria. She assumed her Syrian character would be Islamic until she started researching Little Syria and found out that most of the people in Little Syria in 1899 were Arab Christians. So she had to go learn about Maronite Christians and, mm-hmm. and, and change her entire background. She's like, the genie was never supposed to be that spiritual anyway, but all the other people around him are. And so I had to, I had to build that up.
1: And yeah, I think this 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 kind of process where it it took a really long time, but I think even even uh, Wecker like realized that it like the characters just needed that time to really form themselves in her mind and, and kind of crystallize. Um, Like for example, she said that the the Gollum took a while to really have some agency and was a little too robotic and stiff at first. And then her insight into people's wants and needs came three or four years into the seven years of writing, which is that's, you you can't rush that kind of process, and I think yeah. the, the the that process has paid off for her, um, because the the characters are just really well developed.
0: Yeah, once you start reading it, and you and you get to know uh, the golem, you will understand that the golem's nat- natural ability to empathize at a huge level is essential to that character. And and think about what Veronica just said. Helene Wecker worked on this book for seven years. It was halfway through that that she was like oh maybe the golem should have this essential characteristic right like it's going to go
1: tweak some make some tweaks some little changes here and there you know to, to, to one of my main characters um yeah. but yeah it's it's and i i am listening to the audiobook and uh you know I, at first some of some of our, our our followers on twitter said they were not thrilled with the the reading of the audiobook i with i George could not Goodall? disagree more i could not disagree more i i'm like i okay. opinions Everybody's are opinions has got taste everyone's, yeah. everyone's got their opinions but i I'm loving it I think it's it's just phenomenal uh so you know if, if you want to pick up an audiobook uh use what use one of your audible credits for this month absolutely worth it
0: yeah I agree George Guidal uh read several of the dark tower series that i I listened to and mm. uh it, he is a good narrator from what I he's good
1: at at his job. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And he's one of those narrators, like in that salon article we were talking about earlier that fades away and you forget that's George Guidal reading. And he just, he just has that light touch where he's not doing voices per se, but he is changing the way he reads lines enough that you feel like, okay, that's that's the genie talking. That's the golem talking.
1: Well, it's just—it's so amazing too because he's doing—he's doing like an old grizzled rabbi in one scene. He's doing like a young New York Jewish woman's voice. the next scene, he's doing a Syrian man's voice. And next scene, he's doing a young Syrian woman who's li- like a Bedouin woman, uh, you mm, know, over mm-hmm. in in the desert. Like it's and and everything is completely different and and recognizable. And it's it's. That kind of ability is so astonishing and amazing to me. And I, I when you hear it like done well, it's it, it always kind of blows my mind.
0: I think the other thing that stunned me reading up on Helene Wecker was that she intended this to be a story about immigrants but she says she didn't really realize until later that she was telling the story of undocumented immigrants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the genie didn't yeah. come out of the bottle with a passport, and, uh, you know, I won't spoil how the golem gets gets from the old land to the new land, but suffice to say, she doesn't go through proper channels. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. and and I think that's a testament to the, to the fact that Helene Wecker wasn't trying to write an immigrant story or this would have been hitting you over the head too often. She was trying to write a story about these characters, about outsiders, of what it's like. And and yes, they're fantastical outsiders, but Mm -hmm. what it's like to try to fit into a community, what it's like to try to make your way to a new land. And because she focused on that, she's able to tell a much more compelling immigrant story, and one that more people can enjoy because it's about Jeannie Angola rather than about, you know, something that they're like i read about this sort of thing too often in the papers
1: good good job using the the plural of of golem thank you that was good thank you all right well that wraps up our kickoff uh thanks for listening everyone um hopefully you get some you you feel excited about the new patreon levels um, because of course our show is entirely funded by our patrons uh so head over to patreon.com sword and laser to learn more
0: yeah, and you can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks.
1: Get in touch with us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com and swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.